Good morning. Good morning to those that are here. Good morning to those that are watching online. Just grateful for the opportunity to be with you today. Uh, last week, the title of the sermon was called Transitioning Well. And I, and I spoke about the, uh, the fact that you and I are all in transition. And if you didn't listen to that or you missed it last week, I encourage you, you can find it on our app. If you, until Tuesday, it's on our app. You go there, kind of scroll down. It says Sunday morning sermon. You just click on it. Or you can go to our Facebook page or uh, YouTube page. You can get it anywhere. If you're like, uh, I don't know what to do. Come to any of the staff here and we will help you find it online. But I encourage you to have a listen to it because the reality of it is that all of us are in transition in some way, shape, or form. You know, whether uh, we're transitioning as Veronica is to the big old 5-0. Uh, I remember that a couple of years ago. That was kind of scary. 4-0 was scary. 3-0 was even scary. And for some of us, you know, other ages up higher are kind of scary. The, the bottom line is we're all in transition, whether age, whether in jobs, whether, you know, in the area of relationships. The list goes on and on. And I really believe that uh, it spoke the heart of God at this moment. In one of the things that I talked about, we used... Abram, Abraham is the transitional point. And uh, he made the statement, or scripture says this, that Abram departed. And we talked about that, what that meant. And it meant to leave a manner of life, to leave a certain way of doing things to be able to go to someplace new. And that's what you and I have to be able to do. And we, last week we looked at all the different examples. One of those things was this, that we have to begin to change our thinking. And I said it almost in passing, and then we moved on to other things. But I want to spend time this week talking about that subject itself. Because if you and I want all that God has for us, then we have to change our thinking. And so we have to change our thinking in, in three specific areas or three specific ways. First of all, we have to change our thinking concerning ourselves. You know, many of us have had labels put on us. How many people have had someone put a label on them? Either as a child, maybe in school, somebody labeled you in the, in the, uh, out in the uh, yard, you know, or, or maybe you were at a professional's office somewhere, and they, they say, this person has, and they gave you a bunch of letters of the alphabet, right? And said, you're, you're this, or you're that. And, and you've been wearing that label for your entire life. And the problem is, is that it's affected how you think. In other words, you do something wrong that kind of lines up with that label, and what do you say? Well, it's because I'm this, and there's the label. I'm not going to ask for a survey, but I know that that's what happens. I know that I was labeled certain ways in my younger years, and as a result of it, it affected how I thought, how I thought about myself, and it impacted how I lived my life. But that wasn't God's heart. God has a different label for you. Here's what God's label says, that you're loved by him. That he has a plan for your life. That he loves you more than anything you can believe or imagine. Now just think about that. That's the kind of labels that God has that he's sticking all over you. You're loved and cared for and cherished. You know, those are the kind of labels that God has for you. But here's the thing. Those aren't, for most of us, those aren't the labels that we've been believing in. You know what I'm talking about. Usually the labels are all negative. But the thing is, we have to begin to change our thinking even concerning ourselves. All right, the next area that we need to change our thinking in is how we think about others. See, here's the problem. You and I got all these labels stuck on us, and, and so we, we've got issues. How many people have some issues? Am 
My hand's up? Okay, all right. So thank you for your honesty in church, all right? So, so the bottom line, we all, my hand, I should have put both my hands up, all right? So I'm still dealing with issues in my life. And so because of that, our view on others is skewed a little bit. In other words, because we're not thinking quite right about ourselves, it impacts how we think about others. So all of a sudden, those labels that got stuck on us, guess what we start doing? We start sticking those same labels or other labels on other people. And, and we're doing this, you know, all the time. You know, all you have to do is go online and you can see that happening everywhere. Go to Facebook, go, you know, any, any of the online stuff, you can see people, you know, throwing out these, these labels everywhere. And most of the time, it's very negative. Now, let me tell you something. You and I as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, that's not our privilege to do that. We are not to do that kind of thing, to label people in a negative way. Our job is to lift up those around us. And I know that's difficult, because right away you're thinking, yeah, but that person said this, but that person did that. I, I get it. I'm a human. I live on the earth too. I deal with negativity coming my way as well. But we don't have the privilege of dishing out what gets dished to us. I think of Jesus as he hung on the cross. And what did he say? One of the things that he said, forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they do. Now that's Jesus. And let me tell you something. He had all authority in his little pinky to totally wipe out all his enemies. In fact, he said, I could call 12 legions of angels to come and, and save me. But he didn't, did he? He gave his life for you and I. And as he sacrificed for us, what are we to do? Sacrifice for him. And that means that we need to begin to sacrifice wrong ways of thinking for right ways of thinking. Now, our next area of thinking, so let me just review. We need to change our thinking about ourselves. We need to change our thinking about others. And the next one is the most important of all. We need to change our thinking about God himself. You know, in this last week, I've gotten a lot of uh, phone calls and texts, you know, asking me, you know, how do I respond? This is, you know, honest people asking this question. How do I respond to people who are saying, where is God in all of these shootings? You know, why didn't God step in? Why didn't God do something? Isn't that an honest question? It absolutely is. And here's the thing. You and I need to have an answer for that. What do we tell people? Do we say, well, God wasn't strong enough to deal with that? Say, well, God's not able to do that. God doesn't care about intervening in the, the affairs of men. You know, is that the kind of answer we need to give? It doesn't line up with the songs we've just been singing. It doesn't line up with the scriptures that talk about he's king of king and lord of lords. Talk about the fact that he's able to create this universe and he could take it away in just a split second if he wanted to. And so we have to ask these and be honest about these questions. In other words, our thinking has to begin to line up with God's. And so just, and I'm not here really to answer that question today, but I will say this, that in God's love and God's sovereignty towards mankind, towards people, he gave us all a free will. You might say, well, some gift, God. Look at, look at what's happening. But here's the thing. Though that evil is happening and has happened and will happen, God also sees millions of people turning their hearts towards him and accepting him. And that is because he gave mankind freedom to choose. Wow. So again, we focus often on the negative. Well, people choose to do evil. Yes, they do. But at the same time, other people are choosing to do right. Other people are choosing to do good. Other people are choosing to follow Jesus. And if we didn't have free will, neither could happen. And that's why God allows that to happen. Now, does God care about those families? Does God care about those people who perish? He absolutely does. But here's the cool part. Those children are now in eternity. 
And again, we as Christians need to remind ourselves that this life is but this long compared to all of eternity. And we forget that sometimes. Because we're living life and we're doing this and we're like, well, I need to live life to its fullest. Listen, that's not what we're called to do here. You and I are called to be a light in the darkness. In fact, Veronica made a statement talking about being ambassadors. Uh, the scriptures say this, ministers of reconciliation. Your job and my job as believers in the Lord is to connect people to Jesus. That, that's our job. That's what we're called to do. And we can live life as well. But that's secondary to our calling in God. And that's why I believe many Christians are living a life where they're sad, they feel unfulfilled, is because they're trying to do what the rest of the world's doing by just doing stuff, forgetting that our fulfillment comes out of our relationship with Jesus. That's a struggle because we see the world doing all the stuff that they're doing. We're like, oh, I want to do that. And there's nothing wrong with doing stuff in the world. Nothing wrong with recreation. I got, you're not going to hear me say anything different. Nothing wrong with it. But if that's what we live for, in other words, we're living for the weekend to go do that, then we have missed entirely what God has called you and I to do. And that is to love on him, to serve him, to think about him, to love with every fiber of our being. That's what God has called you and I to do. And I know it's a struggle. Now here's, here's the problem. For most of us, we didn't accept Jesus when we were little kids. Usually it's somewhere along the way in our spiritual journey. So our thinking has become concrete. Do you know what I mean by that? In other words, our thinking about ourselves, our thinking about others, even our view of who God is, you know, the first 20 years of our life are the most impressionable part of our lives. First 20 years. In fact, most studies show that by the time you're 20-ish and move on, that you're pretty well set in how you're going to think for the rest of your life. That's just the way it is. Now, that's the world's surveys. That's the world's studies. But they don't include this variable that I know about, and you know about. And that variable is the Lord Jesus Christ. He has the ability to take thinking that is incorrect and wrong, that cement in your life, and somehow he can reverse engineer it and turn it to mush. I don't know how he can do it, but he does do it if we're willing to let him. So here's what I'm saying to you. If you've got some wrong thinking like I do in my life, there is hope no matter how old you are in the Lord Jesus Christ. He will make the difference, amen? And so that's, that's really what I want to talk to you about today is how we can change our thinking in some practical ways. I want to give you four practical ways that you can change your thinking today. All right, so here's what we do. We change our thinking first by letting faith lead you rather than fear. One of the issues that we have in life is that we often go from situation to situation because of fear rather than faith. In other words, we're running from something rather than running to something. And this is really, really important because if your decision is based upon fear, in fact, I know some people uh, several years ago, uh, one individual had COVID and they were instructed by medical personnel to go immediately to the hospital. And do you know what they did? They went home instead. And do you know what happened a couple days later? They died. The reason they didn't go to the hospital was because of fear. Rather than acting in faith and saying, Lord, I know you'll be with me if I go to the hospital. You see, not getting proper doctor care or not going to the dentist or not doing things and you're using the excuse that you're trusting God, I challenge you in that thinking. 
I think in many cases when you do those things, it's because you are so full of fear and you use faith as an excuse to not go. You don't hear that from pastors very often, but I've seen it time and time again. And people pay the price. This one individual died as a result of it, of fear rather than faith. You shouldn't be running from something, but running to something. So when I get sick, I'll tell you what I do. Or I have a dental issue. The first thing I do, I don't run to the doctor. I run to Jesus. And I say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then I get his instructions. But if I don't hear anything specific, you know what I do? The next thing I do? I pick up the phone. Say, I need to make an appointment. And I believe that God is with me as I go to the doctor. I've seen so many miracles happen, both supernaturally right here at the altar, and I've seen just as many miracles happen when people go to the doctor and follow their direction. It's both an act of faith, amen? The key is that you're not living in fear. And you need to ask yourself that question. When, when something's happening in your life, you know, and you're making a decision to, to do something different, are you acting in fear? And it's in the guise of faith. In other words, you're pretending that you're following God, but really you're just deceiving everyone around you as well as yourself. Or are you acting in faith where you're trusting God and going forward in that? Amen. So the scripture says this, the good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by what? By faith. As the scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. This is an amazing scripture. First of all, God makes us right in his sight. In some versions it says this, he declares us righteous in his sight. Well, what does that mean? Well, it, here's how I remember what it means. It means in right standing before God. So when you hear the word righteousness, if you are a believer in Jesus, it means that you have the right and the privilege to stand before your maker without feeling any shame or guilt. And you might say, well, Pastor Carl, you don't know what I said this morning or what I'm thinking right now even. It doesn't matter. You might say, what do you mean it doesn't matter? Listen, your righteousness is not based upon your acts or your decisions. It's based upon what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. So you and I have the privilege to stand before God because of what he did. In other words, God so loved what? The world. He so loved us that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that's what that scripture is talking about. And so he makes us right in his sight through his son Jesus. Are you happy that he paid the price so you could have that? Wow. Seriously, like that's something to be happy about. And so it's accomplished from what? Start to finish by faith. It doesn't say start to finish by fear, but start to finish by faith, by trusting in him. And then it says this. As scriptures say, it's through faith that a righteous person has life. Okay, this is amazing. That word life means to have a complete great journey. How many people want to have a complete great journey? Amen. And so how do we get that? First of all, we got to understand we're righteous. We have to understand and think how God thinks. And here's what God says. You are my righteous child. And again, right away, some of us are going, but you don't know what I just, stop that. That's stinking thinking. Stop thinking like that. But rather say, Lord, I thank you that you declare that I am righteous before you. And Lord God, in those areas that I fall short, show me how to change. Give me the strength to change in thinking that's wrong, in that stinking thinking in my life. And God will help you with that. But you got to separate the two. You know, we all are dealing with sin in our lives at some level. 
All of us. Because the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None of us are perfect. I deal with areas in my life that aren't right. Talk to my wife. She'll tell you. You know what I'm saying? She's the one closest to me. She, she knows stuff that no one else knows. And, and if you say, hey, is Carl a sinner? she go, yep. But he's less a sinner than he was last year. And two years ago, oh, man, you get what I'm saying. In, in other words, she will honestly say, yes, he still deals with things. But he's better now. Why? Because he's on a journey towards God. And that's how you and I need to see that. But here's the thing. You can have a bad day today and you think, oh, I can't come before God. I know people that don't even come to church some weeks because they feel like I'm not worthy. You know, I did this or I thought this or I saw this or I acted this way or I didn't do this. And they don't come to church as a result of it. Listen to me, when you feel that way, that's when you should run to church because that's when he can help you the most. Because it, our, our relationship with God isn't based on feelings of highs and lows. And you may experience all of that, but let me tell you something. God is the only one that's solid in your life. And you need to cling to him and believe that he has the best for you. So just to, just to reiterate, all right? Letting faith lead you rather than fear. That's one of the things we need to change. Okay, let's move on. Change your thinking by knowing that only Jesus does not change. Everything else is changing. Hebrews 13, verse 8, short little scripture. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Great scripture, right? But when you look up those words yesterday, today, and forever, literally yesterday means time before, today means time present, and tomorrow means time future. Now, here's the revelation of this. God doesn't live in our time. See, that's why Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You and I, we live in lineal time. You know, whatever the date is today. What's the date today? It's the 20, 29th, right? So, so we have a specific day, month, year that we're living in right now at this moment in time. But, and Jesus is here right now. His presence is here, living in you as well as his corporate presence. But at the very same moment that Jesus is here with us, at this moment, he is at the creation of the universe. The Big Bang. Right now. He's there. He's also 10,000 years in advance of right now. Right now. You get, you get what I'm saying? All right now. Because he doesn't live in our time. He doesn't live the way we live as we go along you know, in a lineal kind of way. And that's why Jesus never changes. Because he always has existed. He's existing now. And he will exist all at the same moment. And here's the thing, our thinking needs to be able to connect with that, realizing that when God speaks to us, you got no excuses. You can't say, for, for example, let's say the Lord says, okay, in, in this one area that you've been labeled, and, and the Lord says, look it, you no longer can think that. So here's what you do, what I do, but God. How many people have done that? You know, you feel God speak to you, and, and right away you're like, but God. And, and we start to come up with all these excuses, right? But here's the thing, you can't do that. Why? Because he's been in your past. He saw when you had that label stuck to you. He saw all the hurt that came from it. And he has a remedy to help you with that. All right, think about that. And he also knows what's going to happen in your future at the same time. So when he speaks in your present right now, he's doing it with a full understanding of both ends of things. And when he says it, that's why you can have faith to believe it. He's got all your bases covered. There are no excuses. It's not like when you're on a job site or, or you're working for someone and, and they ask you to do something and you come up with all the excuses of why you can't do it. How many people have done that? I've done that. You come up with all the excuses. Well, you know, you don't know about this or that. Listen, God's got it all covered. Forget the buts. Just forget the buts and say, Lord, I'll do it. 
And when you act in faith, the miracles begin to happen. There's a picture I want to show you about the fact that uh, knowing Jesus, that only Jesus doesn't change. This is a, a picture of the North Star. If you look in the upper kind of right corner, there's one little pinpoint of light that doesn't change. And then this is a time-lapse photography. So as a person on the earth, you know, the camera took a picture every, you know, 20, 30 seconds and, and took it through the evening. And so you might say, uh, the sky is spinning, right? Wouldn't you think that as you look at this picture? But what, what is really spinning? The earth is spinning. But the North Star doesn't appear to be spinning. And so why, why, why am I bringing this picture up? Let me tell you something. Jesus is your North Star. Your whole world may be spinning. Your whole world may be chaotic. Your whole world may, may not make sense to you. But let me tell you something. Jesus, your North Star, will never, ever change. And you need to grab hold of that picture in your mind's eye and, and just believe that, that though everything else is crazy, spinning around like crazy, that I can trust in my North Star in Jesus. Can I get an amen out of that? He is there for you. You just need to call out to him, and especially when your world is spinning. He is there for you. Okay, so change your thinking, first of all, by letting faith lead you rather than fear. Change your thinking by knowing that only Jesus does not change, but everything else is changing. Number three, you change your thinking by changing your focus from this world to the kingdom of heaven. Philippians 3.20 says this, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly await for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when you look at that, you might say, okay, citizenship. How many people here are American citizens? All right. And how many people here have a passport for that? All right. Some of you. Okay, what about other countries? Uh, do we have anyone that has a, a citizenship in a different country? Put your hand up. Do you have a passport for it? Oh, man. Am I the only one? Well, I happen to have an American citizenship, and I also have Canadian citizenship. So I've got two passports, actually. Now, what do you think I do with those passports? I don't carry them around with me, and I don't think you carry yours around. What do you do? You put it in a safe place. You might have like a lockbox at home or a little safe or whatever, some place where you know where you're not going to lose it, right? But here's the thing. As I look at this scripture, that's not what God's talking about. In fact, when you look at the word citizenship here, it actually, you can translate it community or communication. Think about that. So let, let's change the word there for a minute. For our communication is in heaven. Or we could say our community is in heaven. See, all of a sudden, it's not like the citizenship that we think of where, yeah, I'm a citizen of, of the United States or I'm a citizen of Canada and, I, and I've got that sitting somewhere. That's not how we're supposed to look at this scripture. What this scripture is saying is that, that our life is focused on heaven. That literally our communication, our community, how we live and think and breathe is all about up there. And I know some of you are thinking, yeah, what about that saying where, where, you know, be so heavenly minded, you know earthly good. By the way, that's not in the Bible, just so you know. That's some saying that somebody thought up just to be a smart aleck. That's not in the Bible. Because if you're heavenly minded in an appropriate right way, you will understand what's going on here on the earth. But so many times we get it backwards. We're thinking about the world, the earth, and everything going on here, that heaven's a second thought. But this scripture says for our citizenship, our, our community, our communication. In other words, our life is to be connected to heaven from which we also eagerly await for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, back in the 70s and then uh, later in the 90s, uh, there, was, there was a lot of movies about the rapture of the church. You know, they show, 
you know, airplanes full of people, you know, and the pilot disappears and the plane crashes and people driving cars and the, the driver gets taken up and there's crash. How many people have seen a, a movie like that? You know, and, and it seems to be cyclic. So in the 70s, there was some of it. In the 90s, you had the book series Left Behind. How many people remember that? You know, really good stuff. But in the last number of years, I haven't seen a whole lot of that. Here's the reality of it. For us as believers, we need to remind ourselves, be thinking, Jesus could return today. If not today, maybe tomorrow. And are we conscious of that? Are we living today like today could be our last day? In other words, if today, if you knew that Jesus was coming back tomorrow, what would you do today that's different than what you're going to do? Because if it's different, why? You better do it. In other words, if on your heart you've got somebody you should call, that God's put on your heart to call, to, to encourage them in the Lord, don't wait till tomorrow. They may not have tomorrow. You may not have tomorrow. Make the call today. Do what you need to do today because tomorrow on this earth isn't promised. But all of eternity is, amen? So as I think about this, you know, we're pretty messed up in our thinking in this world. Now, not us. I, you know, I don't want to say us. Now, maybe some of us are, but I don't want to say, I don't want to, conf- I don't want to label anybody here, all right? Let me just give you a couple of examples of how the thinking of the world has permeated the church. Okay, let me give you an example. The world considers gold as very important. You know, it's traded on the stock market, right? You know, often jewelry is made of gold of some sort. You know, gold is a big deal. All right, so that's how the world thinks. Let me put into perspective how God thinks about it. You can read in the book of Revelations, near the end, you know, 20, chapter 20 on, talks about the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven. Do you know what the streets are made of in the new Jerusalem? Gold. So paving material is made of gold. So imagine you and I going outside, you know, we have an asphalt parking lot, eventually needs to be replaced but there's some chunks of asphalt that you could literally pick up so imagine you and I going out after church and seeing the loose pieces of asphalt grabbing and putting it in your pocket and you're stuffing it in your pockets right wouldn't people think that you were a little crazy well what is the world doing with the paving material of gold right now they're stuffing it in their pockets and the question is are we following suit I know I'm poking, I'm poking you a little bit. I'm not, here to, I'm not here to tell you you shouldn't invest in gold. That's your decision. I, I, that's not what I'm talking about. But where is our communication? What is our thinking about? Are we thinking about the gold? Or are we thinking about the one who gave us the gold? You, you see where I'm going with this? Uh, how about precious gems, diamonds, and, and rubies, and, and all of those kinds of things? You know, what does the world think about all that, right? Collect it. You know, trade with it, you know, amass it, all of those things. And, and yet, what does God say? Well, that same Jerusalem that has the streets paved with gold, their foundation of Jerusalem, in other words, the, the city of Jerusalem that comes down from heaven, is made up of precious gems. It's actually buried in the ground. So again, you see, you see the opposite thinking that the kingdom of heaven has can, compared to us? Talk about how twisted the devil's gotten us. How twisted he's gotten the world in the thinking of what's important and what's not important. Each, each gate in this city that's going to come down from heaven is made from a single pearl. So imagine the value of the single pearl that's that big that it's a doorway, right? 
billions of dollars probably worth in money, that, that pearl. And yet all it is to God is a doorway. It's like a piece of wood to us today. Although I will say this, the price of wood is almost, is a little bit crazy right now, isn't it? But, but the point being that, that all it is is building materials. So am I telling you not to, you know, wear gold? Am I telling you not to have a, a, a diamond uh, ring? Or, or No, I'm not telling you about that at all. What I'm telling you, though, is that in priority of life, it is not important. I just saw this yesterday. It was an ad. It disturbed me so much. So I'm, I'm watching this ad on television, and it shows this young lady, you know, and she's going from, you know, dinner scenes and dancing scenes and all that, and, and she's got these, these gold necklace on and gold this and gold that, and, and it literally, it was a diamond company. And basically, here's the thing. If you want to be young, good-looking, and sexy and have a great life, then you've got to have diamonds all over your body. I'm like, what? That has nothing to do with having a good life. But again, the deception is going out there to you and I. And our thinking, our thing, what I was saying about our thing, our Christian thinking has to be different than the world's. Here's why. Let me tell you why. This is, this is the simple, the top and bottom of it. Unless you change your thinking, you're going to get to the end of your life and it's going to be hollow and vain and empty. I'm just being real with you. But if you change your thinking and come to a place where you're putting the kingdom of God first and what he wants you to do, you will have a fulfilled, successful life. That's a promise from God's scriptures. But it begins with us changing our thinking. Let's move on to the, the final one. We need to change our thinking by acknowledging and living out God's truth. In 3 John chapter 1, 2-4, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. For I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you. Just as you walk in the truth, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. So I want you to see just a couple things here. Look at the top. It says, may you prosper in all things. That word prosper doesn't just mean financial success. It, it, it's connected to it. But it literally means to have a good journey in life. How many people want to have a good journey in life? Okay, well, the definition of a good journey in life is to prosper in its whole sense, all right? And so how does this happen? And it says prosper in all things and be in health. That word health isn't just talking about physical health. It means to be whole and complete. So literally spirit, soul, and body, complete in him. And then it look, look at what it says. Just as your soul prospers. That word soul means psyche. What that means is, is your brain or your mind. So literally, here's what John's saying. That as you think is how you will have wholeness and prosper in your life. It's a little backwards in the way, you know, we would write it today, right? Normally we would say, look, if you have your thinking right, you'll be in good health and you will have a good journey in life. But often in scripture, it, it's reversed. And so where does it all start? It starts up here. As our thinking changes, it changes our destination. There's a, an old poem, a guy by the name of Samuel Smiles quoted this and, and he, he made this up and he said, sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. So you see how it all begins with a thought, and through the process of time, it leads to where you're going to end up. And so it all begins with a thought, though. So my question to you today is this, what are you thinking? 
There's a guy by the name of Henry Cloud. He wrote a book called Necessary Endings. And he talked about how sometimes you have to leave different ways of thinking to be able to have new ways of thinking. So pop that quote up, will you? It says, when truth presents itself, the wise person sees the light, takes it in, and makes adjustments. And I know that that's challenging at times for us, isn't it? You know, to, to, to see the light, to see it illuminate the dark part of our life, that wrong thinking, and then to begin to make the adjustments. Because here's what we often do. The other person needs to change. You know, it's my husband, it's the, my wife, it's, it's my, my boss, it's, you know, and we're, we're doing this, aren't we? But when ultimately it comes down to, let's deal with what we can deal with, and that's what we have in ourselves. I'm going to ask a person to come up and, and share a, a brief testimony of how changed thinking changed her life. So Katie, come on up. We had a wonderful time at the first service, and I believe that this is a, a practical way to end our time together so you can understand what I'm trying to do here. I am trying to help you and me think differently so we can be blessed. How many people want to be blessed? All right, amen. All right. So let me turn this on. Katie, thank you for joining us for the second time. So tell us, what happened? You just had a recent event that happened in your life, so tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so um, a couple weeks ago, I was taking a break from work, um, and I was finishing up reading Ezekiel. I've been doing um, the Read the Bible through in a year thing before Pastor Carl made it popular. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I finished it up, and Ezekiel took me a while because the first three quarters is just completely, it's terrifying. Um, it's full of sadness and these awful things um, that are a result of Israel's turning from God. And then the last quarter of the book is like, here's, you're going to rebuild the city. It's going to be yeah. great. Life's going to be wonderful. And name it, the Lord is there. And I ended up like, well, this is, Ezekiel was a terrible author. This is, <laughs> who ends a book like this? <laughs> it was just so strange to me. And then as I thought more about it, um, I, I realized how poignant it was in my life. Um, this idea of, you know, you're going through these punishments because of, choices that you've made to turn away from God, but mm. he's always there. And the moment that you choose to turn back to him, he's there. Um, and he's providing you and holding you the whole time. You just have to turn back to him. That's good. Um, and so as I was having this revelation, I got this really strange sensation, kind of like a tingling, I don't know. But it started at the top of my head, and it just kind of flowed through down to my toes and sat and as that was happening, I started shaking and laughing and crying at the same time like a crazy person. <laughs> and, uh, and all I could say was thank you. Yeah. I, I had nothing but this overwhelming feeling of gratitude um, that came over. And then just as quickly as it started, it stopped. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's the Holy Spirit. I don't know. I, there's no other explanation. <laughs> Amen. And, and how long have you known the Lord? You know, it's, it's been a season of time. Yes, it has been. I, I made a mistake of guessing how many years, and I got in <laughs> trouble at the first service. So I'm not saying anything this time. But a number of years, we'll, we'll say. And this is, you know, and you've known the Lord for a number of years. And, and, but this is the first time, in a sense, that you felt the presence of the Lord. Yeah. And so, you know, as you had shared, obviously I'm privy to the bigger part of the story, and that's how it fits into what we're talking about today. I believe there's something happened before that allowed that experience to happen in your life. So you want to share a little bit about the, the bigger part of the story? Yeah, so I was in, in a relationship with someone for 
about seven and a half years, um, and things were starting to get a little rocky, and uh, I didn't want to let go of the relationship. I was going to fight as hard as I possibly could to make it work, um, and I remember leaving here one Sunday and praying and saying, God, I'm not going to end this. I'm going to fight as hard as I can to make this work. But if this relationship is not what you need, what mm. you want um, for us, for me, then I need you to have him end the relationship. Yeah. Um, and less than a month later, he ended it twice. <laughs> um, so the second time I realized it was God answering yeah. me directly and there was no other, no other option but to accept that. Like, yeah. This is what I prayed for. Amen. And it came to pass. <laughs> Amen. And you know, I, I know that it was difficult, but now as you look back, how do you feel about all that? You know, obviously during the, the moment of the, the breakup and all that, it was probably very painful. But yeah. now looking back, what do you got to say? You sometimes have to go through devastating decisions um, in order to obey Christ. Uh, and this was a devastating decision. I, I gave up dreams that I had made with this man. Um, but I have... I've learned through this process and I've been able to see how even before I made this decision, he was there and he was providing and he was holding me yeah. and he's always holding and providing for me. And I, I've, I've been able to see just how much I can rely on him yes. and I don't need the little H. Right. Him, <laughs> him meaning the big H, yes. not relying on the little H. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Katie, thank you so much for sharing. Amen. You know, that was a, a big step. You know, thank the Lord for her for just coming up and doing that. Amen. Yeah. You, you have no idea how difficult this is. And just so you know, we talked in advance. I don't just call people up. So please, no one here think, I am never telling Pastor Carl anything. He'll make me come up. I will not make anyone, all right? We had a conversation ahead of time, and, and uh, she said, yes, I'd love to do that. Here's the thing that I want to leave with you. You know, and I want to make sure you kind of caught this. She shared of a new experience she had with the presence of God. After knowing the Lord for, for years, years and years. And it's not that she doubted her salvation or anything, but God did something fresh and new. And here's why. Because she changed some thinking. As she got out of this unhealthy relationship, she wasn't married, she was just in a, in a relationship with, with this young man, and, and realized, hey, this isn't right. God then brought her to a place where she did what? changed her thinking, but that wasn't enough. It had to break. In other words, there had to be action, and then God could begin to do a new thing in her life. So often, you know what you and I want? We want God to do the new thing, and then we'll change our thinking. But that's not how it works. We make a decision to position ourselves differently. We change our thinking. Then God can begin to move in a fresh, new way. Let's stand together. You may be in this place, and uh, as I've been speaking, or maybe as Katie was sharing, you realize in your heart that there's some thinking. There's some stinking thinking in your life somewhere. And so please do not say, oh my gosh, you have no idea. My whole life is stinking thinking. Right, can we just focus on one thing this morning? Let's just, let's just work on one thing. What one area do you know that your thinking's not right? And right now, the Lord's just popping it up. You, you just know what it is. And then the next step is this. Are you willing to give that over to Jesus this morning? Are you willing to leave it here in this building so you can walk away with a fresh slate in that area so you can begin to think the way God wants you to think in that area? 
It may be a label that was given to you in your younger days. It may be just something that has plagued you for years. And you just need to let it go this very morning. So Father, right now in Jesus' name, you know each person here, those watching online that have an area of thinking they need to let go. In fact, if you're here and there's an area you need to let go, just put your hand up in the air. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. Just put your hand up in the air to acknowledge to the Lord. I see those hands raised everywhere. Same for those watching online. Just raise your hand right where you are. And you might think, that's silly. Let me tell you, Jesus is right there with you right now. So Lord God, you see these hands raised everywhere here in the sanctuary and around the globe, Lord God, in people's homes right now. And we choose right now to leave that wrong thinking, that stinking thinking at your altar. And we choose to think the way you want us to think in that area. And we're going to act in correspondence with that. And we're believing, Lord, as we make this right decision that we'll be able to draw even closer to you in your presence. So, Lord, right now, in Jesus' name, I speak a blessing over your people here, those watching. I pray, Lord God, that this isn't the end of something, but a beginning of changing our thinking on a regular basis, that we're open to your Spirit speaking to us and challenging us in our wrong thinking, and that we will lay it aside when it's wrong and pick up the direction and the guidance that you have for us. Lord, I thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So bless each one, Lord God. Bless them this day, Lord. Let them be a light for you, not just in word, but in actions as well to the world around them. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, amen. God bless you this morning.